Dr. Mike here. When was the last time you had a really good night's sleep? You know, like they say, as a baby? Well, if it's been a while, you don't want to miss this show. Stay tuned. You're listening to Live Foreverish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your hosts, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gossard. So uh, getting a good night's sleep is obviously incredibly important, um, but many, 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 many American adults don't get a good night's sleep. My guest to talk about this today with me is Reagan Jones. She is a very popular registered dietitian. She has her own podcast. It's called This Unmillennial Life. I love that. And um, I've done some stuff with her in the past. She's fantastic. Every time we do things together, I have a blast. We were at Fency Together, uh, which is a conference for registered dietitians. So I'm really excited that she is on the show. Reagan, welcome to Live Foreverish. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here with you today and get to get to talk with you again. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, so, I, th- I mean, this is a big topic, right? I mean, you know, sleep uh, is is it's so important, yet it, so so many of us <laughs> aren't getting that that sleep, as they say, like a baby, right? So, I wanted to ask you first in your experience, because I know you talk as a registered dietitian, plus with your show, um, you know, you talk to a lot of of people, like how, how big of a problem do you think insomnia is, specifically in women, you know, that perimenopausal, postmenopausal period? Dr. Mike, it is a huge problem. You can go online and find statistics that talk about it being in that 40 to 50 percent range, but I will tell you that from my experience, both being a perimenopausal woman myself talking to my friends, my peers, talking to the people who are in my audience who continue to say they want tips on how to sleep better, it seems like it may even be higher. I mean, we're talking about complaints ranging from night sweats to the inability to fall asleep, the inability to stay asleep, waking up too early, waking up hungry. You know, this whole range of of discomfort that women in perimenopausal range and menopausal range are experiencing that is just disrupting their entire right. night, which ultimately then disrupts the next day. Yeah, and, and I think too sometimes when you when you look at the statistics, if if you're if you're going by the strict you know definition of insomnia, uh, I, I think that the, that that doesn't really represent uh, the totality of the problem. Some people may not have that strict you know, or, or fall under that strict criteria or definition of insomnia. But as you said, they find it hard to fall asleep, right? Or, or maybe they're waking up a lot, even though they don't fit that definition. So I think the numbers are probably even larger, you know, than, than what you see on some of those statistics. I, you know, I know um, in my own experience, my own life, when I have problems sleeping, it really affects everything I do. <laughs> what, what is your experience with that? When you, when you talk to people, um, when you talk to the perimenopausal woman, the men, uh, postmenopausal woman, what, like, how is insomnia really affecting them physically, emotionally, spiritually even? It is a problem that really permeates their entire life. I mean, when you think about it, if you are not getting adequate sleep during the night, you will end up feeling tired the next day. I mean, that's at the basic core of it. But what really ultimately ends up happening just from a physical standpoint is your cortisol is up. That's a stressor. When you are not sleeping at night, your cortisol then raises 
maybe in the middle of the night to wake you up, depending on what's happening. It's higher the next day. That leaves you fatigued. You may end up then sacrificing your time at the gym. That may end up meaning that you crave more simple carbohydrates, sugary foods, so you don't eat as well. And then you really begin to get in the cycle, physical cycle. And then when, when you start thinking about that, women are... And, and men as well, so I hate to say that this is only a women's <laughs> issue, but women are who I talk to primarily, then women end up feeling emotionally very stressed and feeling very guilty about the choices that they make after they've missed a night of sleep. They feel guilty about the fact that they didn't make it to the gym. I know women who say that when they wake up at 2 a.m. and they can't go back to sleep, that adds additional stress because they're thinking about all the different things right. that they have to do the next day that they're not getting done. And then also emotionally, I mean, and this is a real problem that I see with women who are reaching this perimenopausal, menopausal phase of their life. It's this reality that we are aging and that our bodies have changed and that we're not able to just live our life the way that we used to and maybe, you know, have habits that weren't as, as helpful and just go gr- crawl in the bed and have a great night's sleep. It's, the, it's, you know, hitting you in the face that you might have to make some life changes and make some serious choices to, to help get a better night's sleep. Yeah, yeah. You bring up an interesting um, issue there. Like you mentioned cortisol, right? That's our stress hormone. And, right. you, you know, if, if, if you're not sleeping because you're stressed and your cortisol level is high at night when it's supposed to be low, you know, you can do things like melatonin and other sleep aids, but until you correct the stress in your life, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle, right? You're absolutely right. And, you know, the thing is, is that people think about stress as always being a, a, a bad thing has happened in their life, but stress on our bodies can come from a number of different sources. And so, you know, from a, from a nutrition standpoint as a registered dietitian, when I'm working with women, I'm really trying to hone in on what are you doing in your life that's causing your body to feel stress, where you may think everything else is going okay, but your body is perceiving it as stress. So a couple of those things to keep in mind that I see very often with this subset of women would be, you know, are you dieting? And that's not to say that you know, changing your eating habits for body composition goals or, or whatever is a bad thing, but how are you going about that? Are yeah, you really putting your body under so much stress by cutting out all carbohydrates or by cutting your calories too low? Oftentimes your body as a woman is going to sense that as stress and it's going to go into lockdown and it's going to try to preserve. And so if you are eating so little during the day or you're eating so low carbohydrate during the day that in the middle of the night your body is saying, hey, we haven't had enough to eat or we haven't actually had enough carbohydrate, then it's going to sense that as stress. And sometimes you may simply be waking up because you are hungry, because you have not right. fueled <laughs> your body during the day. Yeah. And, you know, and Mike, one other one that goes along with this, and this one hits really close to home for me, and I want to say this because – I see this also as a, as a big stressor that we think may actually, people tend to think it falls in the camp of relaxation and self-care. It's how much alcohol are you drinking at night? Yes, um, yep. you know, al- good point. Alcohol certainly has a place in our lives that it can be helpful and beneficial, but a lot of times people think that that glass of wine night after night after night or those two glasses is helping them fall asleep when actually what it's doing is just sedating them, and then when your body has to clear out that alcohol, because let's be clear, 
I love a good glass of wine, but alcohol still, at the end of the day, it is a toxin that you're taking in, and your body has to clear it. So sometimes what happens is your body spends so much time clearing it when you're in that sort of sedated sleep that then when it clears it, it says, oh, my gosh, we haven't had enough to eat or we've been working really hard to clear this out. And what what I have found personally, and I know many women that I talk to have found this, is that one or two nightly glasses of wine ultimately ends up impacting that quality of sleep, especially that women have or men as well, that they have in that late, very late night, early morning bracket where you're really supposed to get into that deep, consolidated sleep that is so reparative and yeah, it really can disrupt that yeah i you know i hear the same thing too the you know as as we get older it seems that the alcohol has a greater effect a greater negative effect in our sleep um you know when you're younger you can get away with a little bit more but as you get older it doesn't take much to really disrupt a, a good night's sleep so i think i think you're right on with that you know so um reagan there's kind of a a phrase on the internet now it's pretty popular you see people searching for it it's it's sleep hygiene right yeah. and i kind of like that right so what what are do you have some tips for what what is a good sleep hy- hygiene and what are some of the things we should avoid um, when we're trying to go to bed absolutely so well from an avoiding standpoint we certainly just talked about take take stock of you know what you're what you're drinking right before you go to bed take stock of what are you eating right before you go to bed. Really, our cells are designed to, you know, sort of turn on during the day for some processes and to turn off at night. And so when we are in this pattern of eating, you know, all times of the night and day, really disrupting that. So a lot of people don't think about that that time-restricted eating component from a sleep hygiene standpoint, but it is really important. So think about if you're eating when the sun comes up and the sun goes down, then let your body go into rest and digest mode after that. You know, shut off the snacks. That's it's yeah. okay. Let your body go into <laughs> right. rest and digest. But then some of the more traditional things that I think really apply in our modern day lives are how much are you exposed to artificial light, ah, i.e. Yeah. our light bulbs, and device light, i.e. our tablets and our smart smartphones, in the evening especially. I mean, it's important to think about it throughout the day. Are you getting exposed to sunlight? Are you going outside for five minutes and letting the sun shine on your face and shine in your eyes? But are you also coming home and after dinner, are you sitting in, in a bright lighted room and you're looking at a tablet and you're looking at a TV and you're picking up your phone, all of that that blue light really can do some damage to our our melatonin. So that's one of the biggest ones that I know from a, a sleep hygiene standpoint from your environment. But there are others that also are what I would say sort of nutritionally related. Another one that you have to mention is when are you cutting off your caffeine consumption? Nobody loves a good cup of coffee any more than I do, but I happen to know that I'm a pretty slow caffeine metabolizer. If you sense that you may be as well, or you think you're doing fine, but yet you continue to wake up throughout the middle of the night and you've been having caffeine or coffee, you know, at three, four, five, even later, take stock of that because yeah. caffeine is absolutely a sleep disruptor. So you want to look at both of those things. And then I think the last one that I know from uh, talking to sleep researchers and then here in my own home is to take stock of what's happening in your sleep environment. Is the room 
cold. That's really important for sleep. I know people don't want to think about being cold, but really, if the room is cold and your bed is warm, that's really the best environment for deeper sleep. And are you preserving your bedroom for just sleep? It's not a place to be, you know, looking at TV, looking at your device, you know, rolling over and looking at Instagram. Again, all that blue light exposure is, is really harmful to our melatonin, and we just want to set up that, that environment to signify that when we go to bed, it's time to sleep, not begin taking in all this additional information that's being flooded at us from right. social media and digital devices. Yep, yep, yep. You know, there was one study, Reagan, that, that said or concluded um, something like, you know, reading an email on a digital device at night is like drinking a cup of coffee. That light wow. stimulates you. The the subject matter of the email might stimulate you. So yeah, we just got to put all that that stuff away. Now you mentioned melatonin, and I know yeah. you know we've talked before. I know you take melatonin, so do I. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that hormone. I am such a huge fan, specifically of Life Extensions melatonin. Now, I will say I discovered Life Extensions Life Extension melatonin years ago after I had gone through a trial and error period with all kinds of other different over-the-counter products. And I am fortunate enough to get to travel across a few different time zones, either going to Europe or over to the West Coast. I'm located on the East Coast um, a few different times a year. And what I found is that my sleep was so disrupted when I would travel. And when I found the liquid fast-acting melatonin drops, I fell in love with them because what I realized is if I will dose those immediately upon traveling – to get myself on that time zone. They're so fast-acting. And most importantly, in addition to be fast-acting, they don't leave you really with that groggy feeling the next day. And I think that's key. I travel with a lot of people who take a lot of prescription medicine, and, you know, I'm all for a balance that sometimes prescriptions are warranted, sometimes they're not. In the case for me, melatonin is just a much cleaner way to you know, kind of ease into sleep instead of being just knocked out yeah, and sedated. Right. And I think, you know, Mike, when we're talking about this idea of sleep hygiene, while I primarily use melatonin when I'm traveling to really signal to my body, hey, we're on a different time zone now. You know, we, we've got a different clock that we need to adopt. I also use it when I'm here at home at the same time zone if I have had an evening where I have had a tremendous amount of exposure to this artificial light. You know, I have young children, and they play sporting events, and it might be that we have to go to a basketball game or a band performance and be under bright lights until late in the evening with all that noise and that stimulation. It's hard for your body to sense that it's time to start winding down and produce its own melatonin. So oftentimes I will will give my body a little bit of a boost and a support with the uh, life extension liquid um, fast-acting melatonin drops, and yeah. I'm, I am such a huge fan. That's I think great. they're so good, and I know yeah. you love them as well. I do. I, you know me. I, I take mine. I, I, it's right by my bed. I take my drops, and I start to read, and next thing you know it, I'm in la-la land. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it does. Exactly. It, it works. It works really fast. There are now. There are some people that um, may not like melatonin. You know, for some people, we don't know why it can cause weird dreams and stuff like that. So there are herbs out there as well. Um, but I think you know, before you jump to the drugs, um, you know, give melatonin a shot and, and, and see if that works for you. You know, Reagan, it, it just in summary now, like what what would you like the audience to know about a good night's sleep? 
I think the most important thing to know, especially for perimenopausal and menopausal women or just even aging men, is that insomnia, while it is prevalent or sleep disturbances are very prevalent and common, they don't have to be that way. And I think that a lot of times people are looking for one particular thing that is the culprit of their sleep disturbances. And I hope that what we've been able to do today is discuss the fact that really there are a lot of things that are probably playing into your sleep disturbances. And so to just know that you do have the power and the option to change a lot of these things or improve a lot of these things, and ultimately what you're going to do is see your sleep improve over time. And I know that now at almost 45, I spent a number of years having poor sleep and thinking, hey, this is just what it's like to get over 40. And then this last year or two, as I've gotten committed to, you know, not multiple glasses of wine, using the melatonin, using products like the Menopause 731, which we haven't discussed a lot, but that's really also a wonderful product that's helped reduce my um, discomforts of night sweats in the middle of the night. You know, using products like that, better sleep hygiene, turning the temperature down, drinking less caffeine, putting all of that together it does mean that you can go back to having the night's sleep that you used to have. I don't know as a baby, but definitely as you did, you know, in your your teens, your 20s, in your earlier years when it wasn't such a problem. So there's hope. It just really requires making some of these changes and getting committed to getting that quality sleep that you deserve. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, my guest is Reagan Jones, a registered dietitian, and she has her own podcast, This Millennial Life. Reagan, you rock. Everything you say is perfect. <laughs> well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be on with you, and I've learned so much from you and this podcast. It's been a pleasure. Oh, that's great. I want to thank you for uh, coming on. And uh, for the audience, you're listening and watching Live Foreverish. For more podcasts, head over to liveforeverish.com. That's liveforeverish.com. Hey, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show, like, share, and comment. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.